Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. All right. Well, that was a dramatic thing. <laughs> that really so was. It was like, it's done. And I know what why. Just I hit the button. <laughs> I was all Welcome. Like I'm feeling really good today, feeling ready to good, go, feeling so alert. excited, and, and now like, I'm throwing off again. Am I? Am I aware? Am I okay? Um, is my mic sound good? Sounds great to me. Yeah, okay, sounds a, little, sa- sounds a little different to me. No, we're good. We're good. Okay, we'll just make <laughs> nice little false start. Let's start just ten yards back. Exactly. Should we rewind this? Start this again? Anyway, Never. welcome to Prodigal and the Priest. We are on a seven-part series, part three of that series drops today, and that is on the sacraments. So we're excited about the sacraments. Should I do something here? Here we go. Woo! Sacraments. Yeah. <laughs> we like the sacraments. Exactly. So sacraments, uh, we talked about baptism and confirmation and was able to dive into those. Do you remember these? Remember last time yeah, you had vaguely. like a I had foggy the crazy brain. brain thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kept on Feeling using real that sharp right now. as an excuse. That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the choice. Do we go third sacrament of initiation just first communion or do we want to do reconciliation which a lot of people would receive prior to their first communion your call today october what are you feeling eucharist 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 let's do it so first eucharist first holy communion many names we hear Eucharist, just straight <laughs> Eucharist. What are they? You got some more names? I feel um, like you're, you've exhausted your list. The most holy sacrament of the altar. Okay, the blessed sacrament. Blessed yeah. sacrament. Okay, yeah, that, that was pretty <laughs> impressive. Thank you. So I we did a mass series. So if you want to hear on specific aspects within the mass, I encourage oh. you to go back. If we were techie, <clears throat> we would link that in our show notes. But, you know. Yeah, just click here. We're looking for also a producer. I'll point to the spot on your screen. <laughs> if you if you feel like you have the time to be our producer or manager, we would accept that for free. For okay. sure, we would definitely love that. So It's a good bargain. <clears throat> I mean, get to be around us, holy people. Other get, stuff. Get to be part of a relevant <laughs> podcast that Perks. spiritually feeds hundreds of thousands of it, people. Okay. <laughs> so um also i'm coming out of non-sacrament brain before we jump into first eucharist and because today is the start of the baseball playoffs oh it's like one of my favorite i thought you were gonna say today is our lady of the rosary i mean yeah that's important too (laughs) if you only want to talk about religious things but this is a podcast about faith sports and two friends from different cultures so so how about aaron judge noon you and your Yankees. Home run record. Eh, sort of. Is it? Sort of? You know, or it's AL. it definitely... Well, they keep saying that, but then the commissioner was like, hey, you should make the choice for yourself. <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of awkward. It is. <laughs> no, he's totally going like Switzerland on this, just like staying totally neutral in all 
like situations with reg- so the people that don't understand let's back up for a second Aaron Judge plays for the New York Yankees my favorite team okay Aaron Judge was on a historic season this is uh, baseball home run <laughs> yes <laughs> backing up up <laughs> we're talking about the sport of baseball <laughs> um America's game some say uh so home run record in the American League was held by Roger Maris in 1961. He was in a home run chase with Mickey Mantle, 61, both Yankees. 61. Yep. Mickey Mantle got hurt towards the end of the season. I think he ended up with 50-some <laughs> home runs. Can't remember the exact number. But Roger Maris, who actually most people did not like, not because he wasn't a nice guy. Apparently, he was an amazing guy, amazing father, family man, all of that. He just wasn't the face of the franchise like Mickey Mantle was. So mm-hmm. Mickey Mantle, face of the franchise, everybody's rooting for him. So his own fans are actually rooting against him and for Mantle instead. Um, Mantle ends up getting hurt. Roger Maris takes over the home run record. But many people at that time, who were Yankee fans especially, kind of despised him because he broke the most famous Yankees record of all time. Babe Ruth. Yeah. So <clears throat> they were kind of meh. So then comes, what year was it? 99, 98, something like that. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, summer 90, I'm not, something I'm like not, that. I'm not okay. good with the dates. But you remember this because you were oh, still yeah. into baseball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was like still our, so this, was, this was our prime time for still our childhood. It was. And we saw the home run chase of Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire ended up hitting more. I think his final total, not mistaken, was 70. Yeah. So Sammy Sosa was 66, and I believe Mark McGuire was 70. And so they broke that record. And then a few years later, I want to say 2008, Barry Bonds broke it again and hit 73 home runs. So, which is the actual record? Which is debated if it's the actual <laughs> record because of steroids. So oh, okay. steroids were used by Bonds, McGuire, Sosa. We know that for a fact. So my whole thing is I'm a Yankees fan, and I still think Barry Bonds holds the record. Barry Bonds should okay. be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest hitters like we've ever seen. Mm. I, I think it's I think it's absolutely asinine that Players like McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, Roger Clemens, Pete Rose are not in the Hall of Fame. I'll leave it there because I get very, very intense about this subject. So throughout this year, though, what baseball wants to say is, hey, he beat the like non-steroid home run record. But what they show always on the TV is American League record because Sosa, Bonds, McGuire were all in the National League just to explain it. Once again, we're still talking about the sport of baseball. Yes, this is baseball. How many games did they play back in Roger Maris's day? Uh, I think, that, wasn't that one of the first years they extended the season? I, I don't so. think it was 160. Because there was controversy about breaking Babe Ruth's record right, with which, more games now. Right, which there's always going to be controversy, right? Like yeah, if you keep changing Ruth, the rules of the game. Or slash anything, like Ruth played with a dead ball. Like the ball yeah, was not true. woven as tight as it is nowadays. Like, um, but then like pitchers weren't as good now uh, or pitchers are better now than they were in Babe Ruth's time. So, so many of those things are always changing. I actually hold Barry Bonds as the home run record. I think everyone gets a trophy. It's all so <laughs> different from age to age. 
<laughs> it's just a participation award for yeah, adults. Yeah, there's no apples there to apples go. here. There you go. Here, here's the thing, though, and then we'll get into the, <laughs> the source the and summit of our faith, <laughs> is people are still saying Judge should not win the MVP. Really? Oh, yeah. People are all for... Uh, Shohei Otani, uh, and yeah. I mean he Pitcher has extraordinaire. What like okay, someone who pitches and bats with his power on base percentage, <clears throat> like slugging percentage, all those things, and is a pitcher who is phenomenal at pitching. I get it. I just think Judge, we have not seen a season like this since the steroid era, and so I think in regards to home you say runs, era funny. Thank you. <laughs> Error. Yeah, it sounds like error. Error. When you say it. Jersey strong. I mean, my, my, yeah. My thing is, when did MVP shift, or has it always been this, shift from the guy who is actually the most valuable player? Like, you take him off the team, and they're no longer that team anymore. Right, which I would to make the argument. like, yeah. the guy who has the most impressive personal record. Right. Like, that's not the same. That being said is... The Yankees hit a big slot, like like went really down in the second half. Without Judge, I feel like carrying them with some of those home runs, winning some of those games, I think he was the most valuable player for his team mm. over Otani, who they're sitting at home watching the postseason right now. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? So right. anyway, all that to be said, let's get in the first Eucharist. But before I do that, <laughs> so who do you got? World Series. I know you know nothing. Do you even know oh, the teams that the are teams in it? That are in there? Probably I know, not. But I know the it's Rangers' okay. record was something like sixty-one. Okay, they are not <laughs> in the playoffs. Okay, so American League, we got 90, 90, 61 and ninety-one. Was that the Rangers? One hundred and fifty-two games, know, something the- <laughs> like that. So in the American League right now, playing the, the play-in Yankees, games. The Astros. So Yankees Astros have the bye. There's yeah. the new postseason thing. Yankees Astros have the bye. As of right now, when we came in, it was like the bottom of the eighth. The uh, Guardians, Cleveland Guardians, were yeah. um, <laughs> exactly they were pl- they were beating the Tampa Bay Rays two to one. Mm-hmm. So they're one series. There's a, a three game series, and then the other three game series in the AL is uh, the Blue Jays versus the Mariners. Blue Jays are back. So who do you got in the American League? Oh. I think it's the Yankees year. I do. I'm not really? Saying, I'm not saying I want that to happen. My wife totally thinks it's the Astros year. Yeah. She's a well, very she's a strong diver. Astros Yeah, fan. A house divided will not stand. Yeah. Um, I do. So, it, it feels like it's the Yankees year. And then the play-in games or the play-in series, excuse me, for the National League, we have the Phillies versus the Cardinals. That game just started. And then the Padres-Mets which is crazy. The Mets are a 101-win team and still had to play in the wild card. And then you have the Braves and the Dodgers who are just, I mean, destroying. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, go Padres. The Padres versus the Yankees? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know what? No, the Cardinals. Would, this is Pujols' year I would as well. Like, <laughs> you got 700. I would like to think that it's going to be... even going to play in the postseason? Or is yes, he? of course. <laughs> I would like to think it's going to be a Subway Series again. That would be cool. Mets-Yankees okay. would Mets, be cool. Yankees. If I'm being objective and not rooting for my care Yankees, about the, Mets at all. the Dodgers are going to win it all against mm-hmm. the Astros. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Jumping into the first Eucharist, we're talking about our sacrament series here. And so we're not specifically going to go into like <clears throat> validity of like, we did that in the mass series, right? Yeah. You know, we talked about like matter what makes, yeah, matter form. Well, we can talk about matter and form just to make people aware, All right? right. Um, let's start there. Matter and form. So we have for the form, the prayers of institution, yep. right? Um, and said that starts priest. said by a priest or... Me? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, said by a priest. Um, and then we have the form is wine and bread. But excuse me. Thank yeah. you. The matter is bread and wine, but not just any. You can't just grab a loaf of bread from your fridge or your pantry. And you can't just actually grab any bottle of wine. So let's jump into those distinctions. What are the two on yeah. bread? <laughs> No, you always like these things that I don't know as well as I should. Because um, this came up last time we talked about this. Right, and didn't, and uh, was, didn't was Jack like, email yeah, us Yeah, Jack as emailed well. us, and I had a resolution to look more into it, and then <laughs> I forgot all of it. Um, as you can tell, Father Paul still gets very yeah, prepared for really the podcast. Really locked in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, so in, in the West, unleavened bread... Um, which means bread without leaven. Um, which means I love a the, definition sorry. that uses the word. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, bread that does not rise. Um. So, no leaven. So no, no leaven. No leavening agent. Um, uh, in the East, they use leavened bread. Uh, so, that shows you that that isn't something that is so essential to the matter. Mm-hmm. That it can't be governed by the church. Uh, but you couldn't. I could not just in go the case and of use, an emergency. In the case of an emergency, yeah, this is where it gets fuzzy. I actually don't know <laughs> if it's for validity or for lucidity. Can we um, get a real priest? <laughs> I know someone who actually can. Why would I need to? Yeah, you're right. I can should it, know. This. We we need to maybe schedule some phone calls during some of these ones to get some like like who is it? Father Emmett? Could he probably answer that? Is he on? Like, yeah, we should do that. We should, we he, should call him father, father lawyer Emmett. friends. Cause somebody submitted a question that I'll ask about. It's a little bit about validity, but it's just a fun one that, that, uh, jumps into, uh, the Eucharist. So, but go ahead. And then wine is, yeah, it has e- to be grape wine, grape wine. Uh, and I know that that is for validity. Mm-hmm. Like it can't be rice wine. That's not a matter of, right. Uh, just like are you using the approved thing like this is actually what the matter is it has to be wheat bread and grape wine those are for validity and i know that and it has to actually be wine not grape juice right uh so fermented to the point where it becomes wine and the church sort of sets an alcohol percentage there but i think that's kind of like protecting the sacrament rather than saying like you know arbor <laughs> ma- making like a big big declaration about what is wine to the whole world. Like, I don't think the church is doing that. I just think in saying like this percentage, whatever the church says it is, um, uh, it is definitely wine and there's no doubt, which is kind of how the church treats the matter for sacraments. Mm -hmm. Like it, (laughs) you, you don't, you don't. Okay. So I don't mean to take us far afield, but in moral theology, Mm. um, there's a couple ways of approaching moral issues, uh, which are especially like negative things. So thou shalt not kill, um, where you like, it makes sense. I don't want to go anywhere near anything that looks like killing. 
right? So as not to break that sacrament. But how close can I go to that commandment um, while still being prudent? Like that that's where these kind of approaches to, yeah. to Catholic morality come in. Um, we're not, there's, there's one particular system called Tutsierism. And that has to do, Tutsier, the, the word means like to protect or to guard. Which would say like anything that remotely approaches anything that looks like transgressing the commandment, you can't even go there. Right. Uh, because you're already too close. The church said that you can't hold that view and enforce that view in moral theology. Mm. Uh, the virtue of prudence comes in more than that. Right. Uh, just because something starts to approach what could be for someone an occasion of nearing that commandment. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, I think but you it's get kind the point of there. a slippery slope, right? With like, <clears throat> Then you could fall into like, well, do the ends justify the means and other things, right? Like uh, a little bit, no, yeah, kind both of. sides. But it, anyway, it, it's go more ahead. like yeah. how, like defining what the occasion of sin looks like, right? Okay. Um. Anyway, the one place where the church does approach this view of you can never go remotely close to anything that might be remotely close to mm-hmm. to transgressing the thing is with the sacraments, um, like. The church wants to guarantee that the sacraments are valid and leave no one in doubt about that. So uh, with like the alcohol percentage for wine, for instance, um, if there's some debate about whether something that's 6% alcohol is yet wine, then the church is going to say, you know what? We're going to mandate that the altar wine we use is always 12 or 14% or something like that. Do you know? I don't remember. I see that number all no the time. No way, it's twelve percent. <laughs> I don't by far. <laughs> no, isn't isn't wine normally like fourteen percent? I'm gonna look it yeah, up yeah, while yeah. we're talking. I think it's like thirteen and a half, fourteen, something like is that. Is it? Yeah, because Be- beer's like five or four. <laughs> if it's a light beer, <laughs> it's like four point five. I'll drink beer. Um, there's a lot of things I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Of wine. Let's see. What do we got here? <laughs> I think it's between like 10 and 13, something like that. Bottles can range from as little as 5.5. Those are probably your like Arbor Mist and like yeah. Boone's Farm. That's and not things your like altar that. one. Yeah, exactly. All the way up to some high uh, alcohol content in wine would be 13%. Hmm. So thank yeah. you. Exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Vindicated. There you go. Um, so yeah, that's that's a general approach to the the sacraments by the church. Okay. So when when the church has to make a decision on something that is sort of arbitrary, or they're sort of arranged to it with the sacraments, it's going to err on the side of like, how can we guarantee that that there's no doubt about the validity of the sacrament? If it right. has to be wine, we're going to make sure it's really really wine. Right, and that's that's part of the reason that uh, you're not really supposed to just use any table wine. Um, you're supposed to use the wine that the church sort of puts a stamp on and says, this is this is approved altar wine. It's right. not that you couldn't for validity, um, but that you're sure with the church's altar wine that it is, there's no additives, um, which might very well invalidate the matter, um, and that it's definitely wine and not something else. Now, what about... Um, <laughs> 
No, 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 no. I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole there. Okay, so, yeah. um, so we have validity. I want to get your opinion. Okay, mm. not the church's teaching. Oh. I want Father Paul's opinion on it. Okay. Mm. So how do you personally, and this happens within a lot of sacraments that we see, we talked about it last time with confirmation, that we'll see that in some parts of the world, infants receive the sacrament of confirmation, right? So, and we see it here in the Diocese of Dallas that it's typically in eighth grade, right? Or older. Mm. And so within communion, how do you personally reconcile like where parts of the West say, hey, age of reason, seven years old, receiving communion. Mm-hmm. But then, right, if we were to go uh, Byzantine, mm-hmm. don't they receive, uh, it's not called intinction. What word am I looking for? Communion. Right, but with the, you know what I'm Sorry, talking about. Uh, with the spoon. Right? Like it, it's called something special, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, they receive as an infant. I know what that's the body of Christ. Like I have trouble as a parent reconciling those two things because on one side, Catholic, at least in the church theology, sounds like you're saying you're not mature enough until you're seven years old when your brain is mature, which I'm like, have you ever met a seven year old? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is the like, no. Um, But. Now, some are ready before that. But that being said is, um, how do you personally, like, what do you do within your mind to reconcile that? Do you like the whole age of reason? Do you like it Mm. being seven? I'm asking opinion, not church teaching. Yeah. So the age of reason thing, uh, in my my opinion, my understanding of it, uh, goes back to uh, St. Paul talking about like before you receive, before you approach the altar, you have to discern the body. He says that in first Corinthians somewhere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Good thing. It's a small book, (laughs) you know, like 13, 15, 16 chapters. Excuse me. Okay. I got it now. (laughs) The biblical scholar has shown up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't have crazy brain today, but maybe not lock down on some of these details. Um, Yeah. So, like that's a pretty important passage, uh, and that's that's why like no one who's conscious of a of a grave sin should approach to receive communion. Right. Um. Like that's why we have that teaching, and that's why it's not really a changeable thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Before before reconciliation. That right. Is. Um. So that makes sense, uh, to me of the age of reason thing also like. There's something about being able to discern what the sacrament is um, as a precondition for being able to receive it. But like, do you really I, I like think that? That makes you, sense. Okay. Do you really think <laughs> seven-year-olds, second graders can do that? I, no, I totally agree with what you just said. Yeah. But I just want to push in. Are we really staking our claim on second graders? Being able to do that. Your yeah. opinion. I'm not. I, I, okay. I, I, I'm going to go with my opinion. Yeah. Like in theory, it makes sense in practice. My experience of second graders is such that like, I don't think they have any idea what they're doing for the most part. Right. Some of them. Yes. Right. 
yes, yes, and some younger. Yeah, right. Like we and see, like who my son is named after, Saint Dominic Savio. Right, he was mm-hmm. like reading the scriptures at church and all these things when he was yeah. like five, turning six, and all those things. Right, like there are extreme circumstances, but. So, so the mind of the church with, with like the age of reason thing, mm-hmm. it's, it's about discerning the body, at least being able to in theory. Um, but you tell when someone's at the age of reason as to whether or not they can actually distinguish right from wrong. Um, if they can do that, that means that they're also capable of sinning. Before they can really distinguish right from wrong mm-hmm. um, in a rational way um, and not in a... I want to say this sensitively, but like a pre-rational way. Yeah. Like, like you could say that um, like a, a puppy can distinguish right from wrong in a certain sense. Like it knows when you're mad. Mm-hmm. Um, don't do that. And Right? Yeah. Um, but that's not the same thing as a rational, I understand the difference between right and wrong. And I, right. And I know when and I I'm choose wrong. And I'm choosing yeah. to do this wrong thing. Because that's, so. that's what sin is. And so, so the church says, okay. That's our marker that on average seems to happen around age seven. So we're going to hold that up there. I just wanted to Whatever be in the, the meeting average is. Yeah. where a bunch of priests who don't have kids <laughs> are like, let me tell you about what the age, developmental guys, They're all talking about, hey, what age do you think? Age of reason. They can develop, you know, right and wrong. And a bunch of people who don't have kids probably aren't even around kids that much. are like, yeah, seven. That's it. I got it. Seven. I remember. <laughs> but, uh, okay. The, the cool. meeting. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, if... I, I do like your objection to this. Um, like, are they really discerning the body at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, and if if we admit that... No, not really. Like they can distinguish right from wrong, but they're also, they're really clueless in a lot of ways. And so like, that's not the same thing as discerning the body. Right. So we're going to say, well, that's, that's important for those who have fully matured and have full use of their reason. But this, this like entering into the age of reason thing, maybe not so much. Like if you grant that, then yeah, why not go all the way back to uh, infancy Mm -hmm. and say like, if you can receive the sacrament uh, in this pre-rational place uh, and it be effective, then, yeah, let's do all the sacraments right as soon as you're initiated into the, the church through your baptism. Um, there's something about it that I like. I don't yeah. know, like, to, to actually answer your question, how to, what was my opinion on it? Like, if I could just pick anything? I don't know. I, I think I like it. Um, yeah. I'm not not really sure why, uh, but but I think I do like it. Um, <clears throat> it seems like the possibility of uh, growing up in a life that is formed by the sacraments in such a deep way um, right. from that very young age, uh, the possibility of, of real good coming from that is... Yeah is worth like whatever the cost of me not understanding how it all works is. Um, Just be going after the pearl of greatest price. Yeah. Okay. Greatest so, price. <laughs> so two things want to go, want to toss in a question here. 
that came in through. And so some people have been submitting questions regarding different sacraments. And although, like we said, we did a whole podcast on the mass, I think it was like turned, we were like, we'll do a one part series. And then it was like seven or I don't know, something like <laughs> yeah. that. So go back and listen to that. But this person asks if a mass and a, I don't expect you to know this because this seems <laughs> to be our MO, but if the mass is being can celebrated yeah. and the main celebrant, <clears throat> says the words of institution incorrectly such that the consecration would not happen if he were celebrating alone. But the concelebrants or concelebrant says them correctly. Is the Eucharist still consecrated? You're smiling. I love this already because smile, smirk. I can't tell the difference with you. Um, Thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a a conversation that comes up all the time in seminary, for instance. Um, like you guys are just processing <laughs> like deep yeah, theological. Yeah, because there isn't like, there isn't like a really clear answer from the church. Um, uh, so, you know, what do you what do you do with it? And part of the the thing is that concelebration is is pretty new. Um, in the form that we have it in. There's always been some tradition of, of concelebration, but I think it, it looked a lot different than like the way it looks now, where everybody's saying the institution. It looked more like it does okay. in the East when... Got it. When like you're kind of there and you're, you're praying, but mm-hmm. you're not like... You're not the main celebrant. Yeah, you're not, you're not being like an, an alt <laughs> alternate for the main celebrant. Yep. Um, like a, what do you call it in theater <laughs> when you have... Like a, like a, you've got the main actor who's yeah, training like for it. The and then understudy. Like, yeah. The understudy. <laughs> like you're kind of you're the <laughs> understudy. So, um, so, so what's your thoughts? I don't know. Personal like, thoughts. Like, do you, do I you say it counts the, because like if somebody in front of you doesn't, but you <clears> did, aren't we saying that your words didn't matter? But what does it mean for someone to, let me reverse it. What's the point? Uh, what if the main celebrant and three people behind them all say the wrong things? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you saying? One person did correctly, right? What? <laughs> so <laughs> main. let's reverse it. Main celebrant says the words correctly. Yeah. And then it- Can celebrants say incorrectly? You would say the Eucharist is consecrated, correct? Yep. Okay. I want to so say that. Why would that logic not apply? Reverse it. Just the word main celebrant? Because I don't know if... Then why are you there? I don't know if they're like... If they're really... They have no authority on the altar? understudies like that. Oh my gosh. Like they're... I think that they're... I don't know. Like there's such a... Concelebration is such a Who can answer this? Father Emmett? Get No, nobody. If anybody anybody has a good answer to what concelebration is... Like, and I can celebrate. Like I'm not against it, but... I can't say I fully understand it in the context of our sacramental theology. Um, so something this important has not been defined. No. <laughs> what are Sorry. the bishops doing? I, I hope I'm not scandalizing <laughs> anybody, but like, no, it hasn't. Um, okay. So let me ask this then. <laughs> and, uh, and so I want to say this, that <laughs> we've really um, messed up a few people. Today. <laughs> I, w- I want to say, that concelebrants are participating in the mass, which is being celebrated, um, but not celebrating the mass. 
Like I, I think that word participation is indicates a certain mode in which they are con celebrating. But it's not just like you knock one down and then the other moves over and, and takes his place. I don't mm. I don't know. That seems weird to me. Um if it's also not my experience. Oh, let's go experiential. Nice. Um Great. Let's go. <laughs> so that's that's not my experience as a concelebrating priest, whether there's just like a few or or like many. Like I am there assisting, but it does, it feels like you're playing a very different role. The mm-hmm. things that you're allowed to say versus not say. Um, just the whole way the liturgy acts with respect to concelebrant priests and the fact that you can you can have a whole bunch. Like it just, it's a different kind of But oftentimes, of concelebrants participate <clears throat> in the Eucharistic like prayers. Oh yeah, they have to. Right, not just yeah. saying them though, but like you know how some will step forward and read specific things. Yeah, to the but they're only allowed to read those specific things and not other things. And like you can't just just hand it back and forth. Like, hey, I'll make the sign of the cross at the beginning, and then you say the Lord be with you. Right, I, like, I get that. I get that. Yeah, but what if uh, what if somebody uh, main celebrant has a heart attack mid Eucharistic prayer? Can can a can celebrant take over? Yeah, but so could a priest who wasn't even there. Like, there's something about the mass where someone has to pick Only up the once, slack. Only once, though. Like, they don't count when they're on the bench <laughs> as part of the team. And like, oh yeah. my god! No, like, that's no, the no, way no, the substitution like, works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're six man. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I have no experience. I'm not a priest, but it just seems. There, you heard it. For the record, uh, we know who the <laughs> prodigal is. Finally, <laughs> I said ordained priest all right i should have spoke <laughs> spoke more clearly ordained priest um this has all been a me I, playing the long I ju- game to get i just to can't say i i don't know i don't agree with that yeah i th- i think like i think can celebration is a mode of participation and the church says that like that is so like, you fall on the line of it doesn't count you know i think so i'm um, <laughs> See, see, <laughs> this is the problem. You no, actually go I ahead. Th- I think what I'm saying is at least today, my opinion is October the 7th, <laughs> yeah, Our Lady of the Rosary, Lepanto. First day of the postseason. <laughs> at least today, my opinion is such that for validity, what the main celebrant does is what counts. Right. I don't think that concelebrants affect the validity of the mass either way. I think what they do matters for for them in a sense. Like it's not like they can just not do the thing. Like that's why why can't they? It's still being consecrated. Because it would be gravely sinful. Okay, there's that part, <clears throat> but like in some ways, I feel like what does it matter that the, like stop saying anything? If you're saying it's the main celebrant, like, I okay. mean, it, it leads, okay. I'm it gonna leads take down. The, I'm going to take the high road here. Uh, <laughs> right? The, the unassailable position and say, what I'm trying to do is harmonize the Western practice more with the Eastern practice, which right. is a much more passive form of concelebration. I totally where they, get it. Where you don't have to say things. But we are different. <laughs> we might as well unity. be allowed to say we baptize jo- joey is driving a wedge between east and west right now no i'm not uh, at all i'm just saying i am i am one for 
if it doesn't like if it, <laughs> if it doesn't matter and it's so new, let, let's just make a decision either way. Either it does matter and the concelebrant should be really careful of the words they say <laughs> because <laughs> they are not the understudy. They're like, I don't know co-participators in it you know you know what i mean like or don't even like have them stay in their seat during that part or whatever Mm -hmm. you know like like you said more like yeah get rid of console or like the yeah um at least in the western form i think that's more scandalous that we don't have an answer because i feel like i do too yeah so thanks whoever submitted this for riling us up (laughs) here here we go this is my this is my final take on this let me hear okay I think you can't have it both ways, as you're trying to. Um, no, I'm actually saying, I just I, literally said you can't have it both ways. Make a decision. I what think, are you talking about? I think that if you say that the main celebrant could say the words, could could celebrate invalidly, but that a concelebrant say, concelebrating validly makes up for that, I think the concelebrant saying the words invalidly also invalidates everything. I think like you're you're all uh, <laughs> No, because you have other people saying it correctly. Like it's like it's kind of like you just need one to get yeah, it right. I don't know about that. There is a logic I'll I'll admit there there is a logic there uh <laughs> that like when the words are said uh, with the right intention, like that, it's all there, um, right? Well, I'll okay. admit that. Okay, let's go to something else that's even more upsetting. Okay, and I, I, I don't want to upset scandalous. at. I don't want to like remain here, but I actually want to spin this into a way that we can actually um, start to do something to improve these statistics. I don't know if you're aware, but some of the most <clears throat> recent Pew studies and research um, from 2019 and 2020 showed that pre pre COVID. Um, about 31%, so about a third, 31% of Catholics believe in the true presence. So two thirds of Catholics don't, um, what can we do? Um, what would you like to see as a priest of people just like, obviously like believing coming to the table? I, I mean, just a small little snippet is obviously, you know, I ran the chords for the live stream. I ran the live stream for years here. Um, you know, you have a front seat because of a camera at seeing how people approach the altar of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of it, obviously. Um, and this isn't talking about receiving in the hand or the tongue or any of those things, right? Like this is simply about the nonchalantness of people yeah. that like walk up to like the Lord <laughs> kind of looking somewhere else. Yeah. Like, oh, it's my turn. And like, so I'm not at all surprised about the 31%, but same thing that we try to address yeah. as a youth minister, like as a youth ministry seems here, children's high, ministry. Actually. Oh, you actually uh, seem, I high. mean, that's depressing, but like one in three, you don't think so of the ones that sit in the pew. Okay. Uh, depends on the parish. Maybe. But. <laughs> what are you saying about St. Anne's anyway? So, um, <laughs> I don't know. Let's though end there in trying to do something positive to say like, what can we do to like be more a beacon of hope in this area? Yeah. No, I have a, I have a lot of things and I've thought about this actually quite a bit. Um, 
I would want to see a, a real coherence and consistency in the way we act around the Eucharist across the board um, because I think that's the most effective witness towards it. Mm-hmm. I think if we finish Mass and then we're like, cool, glad that's over, um, I think people aren't going to treat the Eucharist as something that's that's actually the tremendous mystery that it is. I think if people stay and they make a, a Thanksgiving after Mass, um, it has a powerful effect on bearing witness to what it is. I think if people arrive early and they prepare, and I think if our churches are such that we can do that. I travel around a lot, and um, I mean, I'm normally the one celebrating. I'm, I don't can celebrate often when I travel for vocations events normally. I show up at a different church right. and I'm the, the celebrant. So I don't see how other priests celebrate mass that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see the atmosphere of the church before and after mass. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's music practice before mass and you can't pray even if you want to. Yeah. And a lot of times after mass, I mean, sometimes they're cleaning the church right after mass right. in such a way as to sort of chase you out of the pews if you wanted to stay. Right. I don't, I, I think we're doing that really poorly. Mm-hmm. on an institutional level and that there's so much like just a little bit of coherence there like like if this is what the liturgy says it is and what the church says it is then like it is it's inconsistent uh to switch gears so quickly yeah um like i i think those two things that being able to to have the church be a place where you can prepare and um, mm-hmm. can stay to make a Thanksgiving. Yeah. And to have people actually doing both of those things, not to require it, but yeah. to encourage it yeah. to say like, this is, this is huge. You don't just walk into this, like really prepare your heart. Right. Uh, till the soil of your heart with praying over the readings of the day, 15 minutes before mass starts and mm-hmm. then stay like the, you know, the, the parable of the 10 lepers um, who are healed by Jesus as they leave and then only one returns back. Like this Sunday's gospel. Like that's always. <laughs> um, right? I, yeah, I, I'm almost positive it's yeah. this coming Sunday. Um, I, I just think that's that's some of the most powerful witness and that that kind of thing carries over. Like it carries over to within the liturgy as well. Um, if you are like it, it does. It scandalizes people when people treat the Eucharist carelessly. And it scandalizes people, maybe not shocking to them. That's not what scandal means necessarily. Scandal means placing a stumbling block to their faith. And so maybe they're not shocked, but it encourages them to be equally careless. Right. Um, and so it transmits this kind of false belief. Um, yeah, I just... I think if we just treat the Eucharist as what it is um, and are consistent with it, that things really start to change. Yeah. I love that Franciscan uh, where I went to college (laughs) that the minute, and obviously very charismatic school, um, people full out praising all of that. But as the moment the closing song ended, all you heard was like pews, like, the kneelers, you yeah. know, like, and everybody just kneeling in, in, in thanksgiving of the reception of the blessed sacrament. 
And so, yeah, like um, go forth. The mass is ended. Go off into mission, but like, mm-hmm. take a moment first. <laughs> um, and Thanksgiving to to thank the Lord, which which is a also besides the whole world, but a specifically American thing we struggle with Thanksgiving in general. And I'm not talking about the holiday, but just being a people oh, of like Thanksgiving, being entitled. Or, oh, like yeah. gosh, like it is always. I need this, you know, like the, you could be mm-hmm. like, you could win the lottery and the next day I'd be like, well, I don't have these things, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. we are such a people that are not thankful. So yeah. one exercise yeah. that helps with that. Just uh, a spiritual director at one point encouraged me to do it is 60 to 90 seconds out loud in your prayer time. Hmm. Actually speak things like that you are thankful for to the Lord. Mm. Like because you, and you think that's no problem. But after you get like the Eucharist, family, like this, that, like people are like, uh, 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 like yeah. we what should have? have just like, you know, this, 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 you know, everything. So uh, you can, you could, I, I want to add yeah, to that. Please. You can also do that as a family. Uh, I've seen this before mm-hmm. with, uh, with seminarians and actually I learned it from Christ in the city. Uh, this group that serves the poor uh, and and the homeless. Um, you can take, say, a rosary uh, with your family, take the rosary beads, and just count off as you go things that you're thankful for. Mm. And I like that. Um, you know, that's 50 beads. Good thing I only nope, keep... just the, kidding, 55. Good thing I only Gosh, keep really the, not de- on point the decade today. one in my pocket. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> just <Yeah>. 11. <laughs> Um, hey, let, let's let's pray for that. All Sound right. good? To yeah. close? Yeah. You want to lead? Yeah. All right, do it. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, please pour into our hearts the spirit of thanksgiving. Make us attentive to your gifts uh, that come out of your great love for us. Help us to trust in that love, to give ourselves completely to that love. To not be discouraged, but to be filled with hope. Ground us in your peace. Give us the desire to worship you with our whole lives. Help us to recognize your son in the Eucharist. Help us to live lives that are Eucharistic-centric and that are coherent with this great gift of God himself that we've been given. Father, fill our hearts with thanksgiving and help us to praise you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary on this feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just want you to know I was concelebrating on that prayer. Concella blessing. Concella Concella praying. praying. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have your hand extended? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have any questions, Shouldn't comments, concerns, closed. send them only to Father Paul. Um, no, anyway, yeah, uh, you know reach number. out to us, prodigal and the priest, gmail.com, stanamparish.org slash PTP. Take care. God bless.